His name is Heston Blumenthal. He is one of the world's finest chefs and a food fanatic whose knowledge of cooking is unlike anyone else on the planet. And now he's going to take us on a journey to the centre of our food, revealing fantastical new depths to our simplest ingredients and hopefully helping us all change our relationship with food just a little bit. Hello, Heston. How are you doing? Hello, Jay Tato. <laughs> ah, so that that was a, a spontaneous attempt at a really cheesy joke as a clue <laughs> as to what we're going to be discussing today. Fantastic. So just to give any of our lovely listeners the background, the idea of this is that we're going to be deep diving into a single ingredient and you're going to be cracking open all that massive knowledge you've accrued over the past 25, 35 over a century that you've accrued into your cooking brain. Well, into my 78-year-old body. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the sound of things, today we are going to be diving into potatoes. Yes, which I, I love the fact that it is called the humble potato. And yet, something that we think is so simple, it's just like a lump of carbohydrate starch with some skin yeah that grows underground and that's it it's really complicated from a cooking point of view there's nothing simple about a potato oh now that's a good that's a good hook because i was going to the first thing i was going to say to you was i understood when we deep dive into certain ingredients but for me a potato doesn't seem like there's much to deep dive into it is just no it's a potato. potato Yeah. It's got skin and it's got kind of, you know, creamy, beige creamy stuff inside that you don't really want to eat when it's raw. But when you cook it, it goes soft and sometimes you can make it go really crispy. That's it. But to but, do that. Oh, my God. Um, I had months. Maybe, actually, maybe years of obsessive heartache all around this humble little spud. My first ever invention creation the thing first kind of significant thing i gave the world of food and cooking was triple cook chips of course so they well, didn't exist loved. on the planet and it was in 1992 i think about three years before i opened the duck and i was really? like i didn't know it was that long ago yeah it was and i was yeah, these, these, these are the questions that were troubling me. So while my mates were out on a Friday night, half a dozen pints, a couple of kebabs and a punch-up for their Friday night out, I was asking questions of myself like, why do chips go soggy? That's a very good and question. And obviously you think of things like <clears throat> fish and chip chips. Actually, it turns out we, 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 that's another, God, this is such a big subject, potatoes. The, con, the context. So chips with fish and chips, you kind of like soggy chips. Yeah, you don't want triple cooked chips, really crispy, delicate French fries. You want those chips with a bit more vinegar on them. Yeah, from a polystyrene tub where you put your wooden little wooden fork in, or pick them up with your fingers. That's fish and chip chips, like with a chip butty, fish and chip chips. But they go soggy, and for me, if you're going to sort of go to the the, the height of luxurious chips should be a really delicate, crispy exterior with a light, fluffy interior. So why do they go stoggy? So I was thinking, well, you heat the chip up, you've got your fluffy interior. That light, fluffy interior means it's got moisture in it, water in it. So then you fry the chip, the traditional way is twice. You cook it two times, because if you cook it one time, you don't, 
you can't you don't get the inside fluffy and the outside crispy if you just try and cook it one time the outside goes crispy and the inside's not cooked enough all so right the classic chip is two times and uh two times in oil so um, a cooler oil and a hotter oil so the first oil cook is more like a oil poach really until the until the potatoes go soft then you whack them in the hot oil and then to crisp them up and then i thought wow you've got all of that trapped moisture inside the potato where does it want to go it wants to escape it wants to get out to the air so that moisture that's inside the pressure causes it to go to the outside of the chip or the inside of the crust of the chip and it's like pouring water over the inside of your chip crust that's why they go soggy oh, I never so knew i that. started thinking well how, how can you how can you remove excess moisture from the potato without removing too much i tried i mean i tried everything i mean microwave um i tried them in um those hoover bags where the hoover bags the, the, when you put your bed sheets in a plastic bag with a valve on and you oh, put yeah. your hoover in it sucks the air out and you store your sheets <coughs> i put the chips in there put the hoover over it and try to suck the excess moisture after the while they're hot just take the take the, take the steam out did it work i even <laughs> Up to a point, but uh, but not enough. I even once I took them after the first the first cook, so they're hot. And I took a pin and I pinpricked I pinpricked the chips. Each chip maybe twenty, thirty times, like slightly psychopathic like, <laughs> <laughs> just to get to try and get steam out. That's where it all started for me, nineteen ninety two. And I started to realise how come this is so complicated? It's just a potato and it's just a chip. Then, uh, when the fat duck was open, I was frustrated because the process—I'd honed the process down so much. However, I realised that it, not every potato is the same. Sometimes they'd they'd scorch. They'd like go before they got crisp. They'd almost start to burn on the outside, like they had you know dark sugar on them or something and they weren't crisp do you mean different breeds of potato or just within the same breed yeah not just it turned out to be not just different breeds so i read in harold mcgee's book if you want to test if your potato is good enough for crisping and it comes down to something called dry matter so dry matter is everything that's not water Okay. So in a potato, if you've got 20% dry matter, it means you've got 80% water. So dry matter is all the other stuff. And it, it, I discovered it's quite a critical percentage, like a, like a, a band of dry matter w- that you need. If you get the right dry matter percentage, if it's high enough, if it's too high, they can end up like lumps of wood, but you don't find that very often. Normally, it's not high enough. So you what don't is the, get do, you know, the, do you remember what the percentage is? The right sort yeah, of band? About, yeah, yeah, twenty-three to twenty-six percent. Dry matter. Dry matter. Twenty-one's okay. When you would get the under size nine, of the potato affect that? Could you have two of the same breed, but one's twice as big, and it would have more dry um, matter? Possibly, but the key thing is, in fact, the the breed makes a difference. But the key thing, two key things, are where they're stored. So imagine you've got a field on a hillside, and at the bottom of the field, it gets all wet and squidgy where the rains come down. The potatoes in the bottom of that field are sitting in more water than the potatoes at the top. <laughs> it depends on the amount of sunlight the soil gets. Because 
where the potatoes are grown in this and the photosynthesis this, and the where they're grown and the energy they're taking from above the soil also will be affected by the sun then okay you harvest the potato to pull it out of the ground and the potato companies store the potatoes if you store the potatoes too cold you can you, if you store them cold you can keep them longer however the sugars change they convert what do you mean when you say so sugars the, change? What I, do you mean? I always get the wrong way around. Fructose to glucose. I think fructose, the fructose in which is fruit sugar, or is in veg as well, gets broken down into a shorter chain glucose. And when the glucose goes up too much, it's like you've sugar coated your chips. Have you ever had it when you 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 deep fry some potatoes and they kind of go scorched? Yeah. In the fryer, that's 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 the the sugars have converted because they've been stored too cold store them warmer that's the, the, that then then bingo but the problem with storing them warmer is they don't store as long and you how, can get how could bruising. you know all this did you literally go to the fields and check where they were yeah. coming from i must have tested i don't know 30 40 50 60 70 varieties i went to potato growers and farmers and i walked around the fields and looked at where they stored the potatoes and i had a dry matter a dry matter tester and all it is imagine a scale electronic scales with a heating pad, so that so the the scale is actually a heater. So you put your potato, you slice a potato, one slice, you put it <clears throat> in a. It's got a little ring that sits on top of this the scale, and it heats it. And over it might take I don't know, I can't remember now, half an hour to an hour. It drives the water off the potato, and eventually the potato starts to go black. And it weighs it as it's as it's driving the moisture off. It will also weigh it. So you can see how much you've lost and, and, and how much moisture there was in it before it stops going down. Exactly. It will then say, well, you started off at 20 grams. It's now it's now charcoal or it's now gone completely dry and it's 10 grams. So that was you had 50% water or 50% dry matter. So inside the humble potato, we now have sugars to concern ourselves about, moisture, dry matter. Yes, yes, and starches. There are different starches. Also, what I discovered... The little buggers are not even. So if you think of a potato and you hold it up, so it's vertical. So it's like a, you're holding like Mr. Potato Head, vertical, not horizontal. The potato will have, has roots, it's connected to the plant. Where that, that root goes into the potato, imagine that being the base of a tree. Right. So with roots. So then it grows through the potato with branches. And those branches have different starch concentrations and different types of starch to the bits where the branches aren't. Good Lord. So within within an individual potato, you'll get quite big discrepancies. In, in yes, the you can see it. Hold the potato vertically and cut it across. So you're doing, um, you're, you're make, slicing a round of potato from the smaller diameter. And what then hold see? it up. Look at it. You can You can see the dots. So imagine your, if your potato is on your work surface vertical, think of that like the trunk of a tree. Gotcha. And I'm chopping through the roots. So I'll be able to see the ends yeah. of the roots. If you sliced it vertically, not horizontally, then you would have, think of a, a actually think of a timber, a, a, a plank of wood. Right. Think of the pattern. You can imagine the pattern on the plank of wood. Yeah. It's a bit like that in a potato. That's remarkable. So you wouldn't think about that complexity within it just from those those roots. But you're right. Each one is an in individual plant, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, completely. So it depends on the variety, depends on how they're grown, how much water, how they were harvested, when they were harvested, how they were stored. Oh my God. And, and, and you think, well, it's much better now because supermarkets do much more checks for the customer. But before, I mean, it was Russian roulette. No wonder people think, oh, I can't cook. Well, actually, that old adage, a bad workman who always blames his tools, actually, don't work. Because if your oven might not be the right temperature, or you've got a potato that's not fit for purpose, and then you think, whatever I do, I, I can't make chips. You just use the wrong, it's like trying to make toast from a boiled egg. Oh, and and I heard there's 4,000 different breeds of potato as well. So how on earth at home without a dry matter detector and all of your, you know, all, all the time to put 30 pinpricks in it and thing, how can I even get close to understanding what's, what should a be A couple of things. Up? You can rely on there's some brands. So Maris Piper is a good all-round potato. You'll never reap the height of the, of the, of the glass crust crisp chip with the fluffy centre, but they're good all-round and they're, they're relatively, they're a more stable one then there's potatoes like Aaron Victory which is an old uh, vintage potato they're red uh, there's burgundy reds there's also golden wonder which is where the crisps came from they're harder to get now they're great if you see a potato where the skin is like mottled it's like warts you know scabs right that that's dry so that's going to have a high dry matter so that will help your potato and you can tell when you cut the potato if your knife really sticks to it then that will you can tell what's happening to the starch i'm just going to pause here for a second because the reason heston and i could do this podcast to put it out there for free is because we have some people supporting us and i just wanted to tell you about one of them right now the great courses plus is something we uh, we really want to recommend it's created for the lifelong learner in all of us it's a streaming service and it provides access to thousands of fascinating fact-based lectures across almost any topic imaginable. Um, They're all taught by world-leading professors and experts who they all know what they're talking about. And there's the Great Courses app, which means you can watch it anywhere. They have have managed to pull the most respected experts in their own field to do this. But it's the opposite of, uh, you know, we've become so impatient now. So we want all the information in 20 seconds. But it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. So what in the great courses, what you're getting is thousands and thousands of hours of expertise. So if you want to learn, if you get interested in anything on this planet, anything, and then you want to learn more, you can dip into these. Sign up for the Great Courses Plus, and for a limited time, they're giving uh, all of our listeners a free month of access to the entire library. You've got to use thegreatcoursesplus.com/heston. So thegreatcoursesplus.com/heston. Go on there, and you're going to get a complete month of free access to the entire library. So thegreatcoursesplus.com/forward/slash/heston. Right, back into our ingredient. So I thought for this podcast, I haven't told you this yet, I would do a triple cooked chip for the end. I'm I'm setting myself up for a fall here because I'm assuming that these potatoes are going to work and be crisp enough. <laughs> Love it. And then I can connect the stages on the triple cooked chips to say why we did this and 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 you know it's this has manifested itself in this wonderful glass like <coughs> crunch. But I've got to I'm going to take you over to the fryer because I I've done the first cook, the first cooking water, which I took the potatoes, I peeled them, I then cut them into chips. 
Then I put them in a, in, in, a, in a bowl and put running water over them for five minutes until the water went clear. And the reason for doing that was to remove the excess starch. Because the more starch you have, the, more, the less delicate the, the, the crunch of the crust will be. Okay. So that was stage one. Stage two, I put those chips in a pan of water, cold, cold water, uh, cold water, and then brought the water to a boil. Right. Turned it out to a simmer, and then cooked the chips, the potatoes, until they started to break up. I'll show you. This is where I've got now. Then I've drained them, just so you can. You, Jay, you're much better at radio descriptions, poetic <laughs> radio descriptions of food than me. I think too much. Um, yeah, let me see one of so these. this is the sort of these I think are going to make cracking chips, real cracking chips. I love the passion as well because it is about a chip. Oh wow! Okay, cool. So yeah, it is all the, the surface of it is all sort of crumbling and bubbled up, so it's holding its itself together. But the top yeah. of it looks like it's it's just about to fall into yes. pieces. Yes, exactly. It's the bit when they're just about to fall in pieces. But you have to remember when they come out of the water, they're really, really delicate. So don't just chuck them into a colander or a sieve because they might break. Yeah, because it looks like up. it's about to fall apart. That that looks it, like it's yes. about to, to, to just it's cooled drop into down. Pieces. So it's so it's now it's it's got some it's got some um, strength to it, but exactly as you said, the outside of this chip it's not it's not straight it's not flat. Uh, actually, do you see that slight curve? Yeah. Well, the thick chips. This is a, a wonderful French in their poetry with the cooking. You have pomme allumette, which is matchstick potatoes. They're the really right. thin chips. Yeah. Pomme frite, which is French fries. Okay, right. And the big ones are called pomme potatoes, pont neuf, which is the pont neuf, the ninth bridge in Paris. And really? it's named after this bridge, little bridge that's curved. So their chip is named after <laughs> after a bridge. Imagine, I'm going to make uh I'm going to make um Kidderminster puree. <laughs> Loses some of the. Uh... It doesn't have the same thing, does it? <laughs> so these are these are. I've cut these. You get them. You get this curve more when they're a bit thicker. But okay. I've cut these probably about a centimeter. I don't want them too thick because there'll be too much moisture in the inside, and I don't want them too thin because I want the contrast between the thick crust and, yeah, and the, the thickness and the of your center. thumb, aren't they? Those looking at them. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that broken now you can see the surface is all broken up it's like it's almost mashed potato on the surface of the chip exactly yeah it looks like when you've got cold mashed potato and you sort of it all sticks together it's, it's that level yes. where it's just about to fall exactly so again. what that's going to do now is I'm going to put this in the in the first fry which is 130 degrees oil right I would use uh, grapeseed oil or sunflower oil because it's very clean you can use olive oil works very well it's got a high a good burning point with the oil so it could fry hot but that can work well beef dripping will give you the crispest chips of the lot any fat that goes this hard you put olive oil in the fridge it's still liquid you put butter in the fridge it's solid but you put beef fat in the fridge it goes much harder so the harder the fat the crisper the surface of the chip the de the, the obviously the the two Probably um, not downsized, but the things that might be a hurdle for, 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 for beef fat. One is it's not vegetarian. So yeah. if you are vegetarian, obviously, um, that doesn't work. But also they have a strong flavor. Yeah. And do you, do you normally and do that, yours? You don't normally do yours in that, do you? 
what we what we do depends um so in london in, in dinner we have ones with beef fat and ones that we have two different ones but what we do with both the vegetarian so the non-beef fat and the beef dripping ones one we clean the fryers out every day but we take one ladle of the fat it's a bit like a sourdough starter we take one ladle of the fat from the day before clarify it and then put it back into the in the next day wow and that little bit of because you've got the 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 solid the little stuff it's the invisible makes the visible the little particles you can't see which really helps the crust on the chips so that that's what we do um you see and you thought it was just a humble potato i know so now know. i'm this going to chips, put this isn't it? it's only chips oh what was that? what was that advert Oh, um, uh, I hope it's chips. I hope it's chips. It's chips. Uh -huh. I, hope I hope it's, it's chips. chips. It's chips. chips. What was that for? They're in the back of a van, weren't they? Going and finishing work. I hope it's chips. It's chips. One of those, isn't it? It's chips. Yeah, it was one of those. So now, um, and I love. There's something I don't know about you, but there is some. Well, there's. Yeah, I think being mindful when you cook change, changes your whole, it changes the way you're going to cook the dish, your enjoyment, your relationship, your love with, with food and love of cooking, and you discover. But it's just being aware of your senses. What can I hear? What can I smell? What can I, um, what can I touch, etc. So I'm just putting these into the fryer, which is at 130. Mm -hmm. Now, I love the sound that you're going to hear in a second. I won't put my head in the oil, but. Oh, just that sound, that is a fish and chip shop, but it's not any old fish and chip shop. It takes you immediately to the first fish and chip shop, the one you love, where you can hear that feeling yeah. and you know what you're going to get and the anticipation of it. It's such a good sound. I've, I've never had a deep fat fryer in my house. So that's, I've never had that sound in my house. It's only ever been in the fish and chip shops. It's got a sort of magical quality. You know, I'm um, I meditate, and I've been, I'm, and I've tried various um, yeah sometimes with a with a with a, like a meditation app, and sometimes not. But there's an app called Daily Calm. It's it's one of the biggest ones. They they give you this 10 minute meditation every day with this woman in a soft voice telling you to breathe and thinking about your breathing and stand on one leg and spin round and shout whatever. No, but they but in the background there's water. So think about a pond or a lake with where fish come up and go that little pop of water which is really relaxing i think this could be the next culinary <laughs> meditative sound meditate to 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 to, to uh, chips frying and you can what you can hear here though wait you've got to do it you've got to do it in a meditation voice though. put your microphone near it and do us a meditation voice as you describe what we can hear okay now sit in the place that you find comfortable in a nice posture with your back straight and when you're ready close your eyes focus your attention on your breath just three times feel your shoulders relax soften the tongue in your mouth and now when you're ready turn your attention to the noise of my triple cooked chips <laughs> All you can hear is water. That's the water from the chip. 
bubbling out of the chip and coming to the surface and evaporating. And because we cooked the chip in water f at first, it sounds a little bit counterintuitive. But when you, you that dries the chip out, although you're cooking it in water, when you take the chip out of the boiling water, you see all the steam coming off. Yeah. And that drives excess moisture out of the chip. And this is the key thing that with, why they're triple cooked chips. The first cook is in water. Normally, the historically, chips are done in oil, 130, 190. So I added a water cooking stage before it. So that dries, drives excess moisture out of the chip, but it breaks down the outside of the potato to make it pureed. So that pureed um, surface of the potato, now you can hear all the moisture coming out. It's freeing up. There's more little gaps to get more moisture out. Mm. And at the same time, what's going to happen here is the starch on the outside of the potato will gelatinize. And by that, I mean it'll form a crust. So in this, this is 130 degrees. And again, the water cooking, when do you, how long do you cook them in water for? It depends on the potato. You, you hit the nail on the head until they're just about to fall apart. Right. And then let them cool down. The same as when you're then, doing roasties as well, isn't it? You get them to that point where they're, they're ready same. to absorb, right? Is that why you're getting yep. it to that stage? Yeah, exactly. You, you make that nice puree bit so they're ready. It's almost like, you cre it's a bit like a hobnob. You're creating the SAS. You're turning that little potato into the SAS of chips. Come on, <laughs> fat. Come on, give me more. And that, and that, you know, a, a chip without fat. Just eat something else. If you don't want fat and chips, then don't eat chips. Yeah. And they're not the same. I mean, if you want potatoes, then just have a, have a potato salad or something. Or bake them or, you know. Um, but you can hear now, can you hear this sound? It's changed. Oh, it's such a lovely sound. There's more. There's less. But the bubbles are smaller now. Yeah, they sound like crackles. smaller bubbles. They sound like smaller bubbles as well, don't they? Yeah, and it's more like a. You know, like when you light a fire, it crackles and then it hisses. Yeah. The bubbles go smaller, so that you can see that what's happening. That the, the the way the water's coming out of the potatoes, you're extracting more out, but it's coming out in smaller because you've got the big stuff out. So you're waiting for this. You're you're actually cooking on sound here rather than just timing it arbitra arbitrarily. You're actually yeah, yeah, waiting. yeah. The you do it on do it on. Um, on sound, so I've take them out, and and here you'll see that they're slightly they're slightly coloured, yeah, but yeah, not so brown. I don't no, want they're sort of like yet. a sort of a light a yellow, light yellow, and they yeah. and they you can already see that all that rough edges has now become uh, little peaks, little hard peaks. But it's still that looks yes. to me like a a chip that you get, but it's still not quite cooked enough, not done, no. not done enough yet. So that is that is stage two of the triple cooked. You can do that if you if you're gonna you wanted to cook these tonight, tomorrow, next week, whenever. You could do this stage the day before if you want. Oh really? Or just to do a batch of them and then and then now what I'll do is turn the fryer start up. Well, I've I've actually I'm actually using my own deep fat fryer, my Heston, which has. But actually managed after this is how big triple cook chicks became. I've got a fryer here that has is twice fried chips. So you set the first fry, set the second fry, and it automatically just does the first fry, then take the basket out and it changes the temperature. I mean, not that you as if it's just showing off and that to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. So all we need to do now with the with the with the triple cook chips is the triple cook. 
So we'll just come back to we'll come back to those later. Okay. So while we're le- while we're leaving those, I wanted to ask you about another form of uh, potato, which I'm fascinated with, which is which is the mashed potato. And I've heard you know yeah. the difference between good mash when you go to a nice restaurant and bad mash at home stroke school dinners is 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 a country mile apart and i'm I'm fascinated with any insights into that area well that i'd say that chips and mash from a gastronomic point of view are the probably the two kings or queens or kings and queens of potato dishes and because you know they're both they can both be really humble cheap and nasty things or they can reach heights of greatness something very very special and we've gone through various uh, conundrums and hurdles and things to think about with potatoes for chips for mash the key thing here is starch and imagine if you have you have the cells in the potatoes they're starch cells well, the, the potato, the, cell, the cells in the potatoes, and inside those those cells are starch cells. When you cook a potato, uh, you notice that sometimes if you take a, it's just come out of water, and you put you put your thumb and forefinger on the potato. Obviously, don't try not to burn yourself, but it sticks. It can be sticky, and if yeah. you if you move your fingers away from the potato, you almost get like a little slimy, gluey thing coming off the potato. <laughs> That's the starch. So with the triple cooked chips, that's why I wash them wash them first to get rid of the excess starch. But then the rest of the, there's still more starch in there. But then that first cooking in the water allows the, and, and then the oil, cooking the water, starch more to the surface, cooking in the first oil, starch, starch crystallizes. So you end up with that wood-like crust. Then then final stage is just, you know, give it a, give it a rocket master blast to make it nice and golden delicious and crunchy but with puree some of the things that can turn your um, mashed potato or pomme puree as the the French say into a something that you would rather not use unless you were trying to put wallpaper up is a liquidizer so do not if you put potatoes in a liquidizer Take them out of the water and you just blitz them. What happens is you work all the starch. So it's like it's like working almost like bread dough. And it becomes gluey. And I'm, I've got a lot of tips and techniques for rescuing certain things when they've gone wrong. But that one, no, there's nothing you can do about it. So the, the important thing, the variety of the potato does make a difference. However, I'd say a couple of important steps. I, I developed a technique where you double cook not triple cook but with for mashed potato you slice the potatoes one centimeter and be fairly accurate that the thickness is the same but peel them first don't throw the skins away put the skins in water and just enough water to cover or a bit more and then just cook them for boil them for half an hour or something so you then you strain throw the skins away but what you've got is a potato flavored stock (laughs) because most of that lovely earthiness in the potatoes that most of us like is in the skins so you're making a stock from the skins that you would normally throw away wow and then you've got that stock ready then put your sliced potatoes you wash them, put them in water to 70 
72 degrees. You put them in the water for 30 odd minutes, 30 to 40 minutes. Now that's not enough to cook them. But now let's go back to the starch granules. Imagine you've got your cell, cells in your potatoes, and inside these cells are lots mm -hmm. of little starch granules. By doing this sort of hot water bath first step, you swell, you like hydrate, swell the starch molecules, the starch um, granules in the cells, but you don't burst them. Because once, once they've had that first hot water bath, drain them, cool them down, and they'll still feel, they won't be cooked. But you can see a difference in the texture of the potato. So you've, it's like you've, you've trapped, you've puffed the starch up, but you've not let it burst and do its damage, which is what a liquidizer does. You're just bursting all those starch cells and just chucking out glue through the whole potato. So here you've, you've hydrated the starch, so its potential damage has been massively reduced. Then you've cooled it down, so it's not, you're not going to burst them. Now they're ready to cook. So that's wow. a pre-cook. Put them in your potato skin water and then cook them until just make sure that they're cooked enough. Um, it depends. If you, you know, it depends how you want your potatoes as well. If you want like a mashed potato, good old fashioned British mashed potato with your potato, you know, ricer and chuck butter in, you might want to keep some of the skins in. You know, they, I, for me, this is the beauty of cooking and there isn't one thing that's best. If you want a very uh, France, fr uh, if you want a very French gastronomique pompuraire, um, worthy of a Michelin-star restaurant, then, then you, what you need to do with that, once you've cooked the potatoes, you take them out and you, you puree them, but you puree them with either a mouli legume, you know the old vegetable, it's got a handle, like a sieve with a handle that you turn. To any great, it, it, it squashes the potato. Wow. I don't think I've it's, seen one of those. It's a very, uh, I think probably anyone over 50, I'd say 70%, 80% of all households in the history of Britain have got one of these. You would have seen it. You might not have just noticed it. Okay, cool. Probably one of those um, things in the back of a kitchen that I wouldn't have realised what it was. Yeah, imagine imagine a sort of so, really light, thin saucepan with a handle, but the, instead of having a base, it's got sieve on it, and then it's got a handle that, that's, that you turn. So you can use that, or... You can use a flat drum sieve. So think about a gold, the old gold prospectors. It's like a round, it's a sieve set in a round frame. And you have a scraper, like a, you know, just a scraper, a flat spatula or something. And then you scrape the potato through the sieve. And the idea for this is you don't, if you, if you turn it, if you, if you liquidize it, then you, what you're doing with a puree is you're like you're working bread dough. And you make the starch more elastic because you're you're giving it more energy. Mm. If you push it vertically, so make make the pressure as straight down as possible, which is actually what you do when you scrape. If you scrape over a flat sieve, although your scraping is going horizontally, the actual edge of the scraper is pushing it down vertically. And to that, then you add your butter, and that's where you can go. Man, I mean, you go, you could go up to equal quantities of potato and butter. Yeah, a lot. Really, I've heard this. I didn't know that was true. People actually did that. Oh yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And then, 
then <clears throat> a little bit of um, a little bit of milk with the bit a little bit of milk in the pan and then pour that in just it just brings it brings it all together um, but the key thing with this this technique you can do that first step of cooking the potatoes one or two days before and when you keep them in the fridge I don't know how to describe it it's like sandy normally when you have colder potatoes they're a bit they're a bit starchy aren't they they're a bit kind mm -hmm. of waxy and starchy this is crumbly completely crumbly yeah because you've you've trapped the starch so then you've got your base and you can do that with the butter you can so mix do, do that add the butter and then and then leave it in the fridge and then when you want when you're ready to 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 serve it let's say the day after just little pan a, a pan with some milk in it bring it to the simmer put the potatoes in a bit slightly bigger pan and then pour the milk onto the potatoes and stir et voila et voila et voila wow. and then there's all sorts of things you can do with it but that's 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 my ultimate posh um Oof, I mashed have to potato. say I am mashed potatoes and chips and and on on which on which note as we are running out of time are our chips ready It'll be maybe from now, maybe three minutes. So while we wait for the chips to uh, cook, what's the most unusual potato you've ever eaten? As a potato, uh, I did some work with a major supermarket years ago. This is before I was with Waitrose. And they just come across this, this potato from Peru, which was the highest altitude grown potato in the world. And I took some back home um, to the restaurant and I cooked them. I put them in a pan, boiled them. Within three minutes, they just fell apart. I mean, I've never seen so much. That's a potato with such high dry matter, which would have made unbelievable chips. But there was, it was such high dry matter that you, they wouldn't stick together. There was no starch to stick them together. So it just, they just crumbled, wow. completely crumbled. Um, and that's all so because that's of the, the altitude. Altitude and um, maybe variety. Oh, that's I remember when I first opened the duck and I wanted to find the potato with the right level of dry matter. And in Harold McGee's book, one part salt, 10, 11 parts water. If the potato floats, it means there's less dry matter. There's more water, so it's more buoyant. If it sinks, it's heavier and it's got more dry matter in it. So I sent my ex-wife, oh my God, to... The local supermarkets in Maidenhead with a bucket of salted water. <laughs> I love the way you sent her to do it. You didn't do it yourself. Well, I, I actually, there are so, there were some, working 120 hours a week, there were some, some benefits to it. So I got out of having to get, go Christmas shopping, for example. I couldn't leave the kitchen. I couldn't leave the kitchen at all. And I was obsessed with these potatoes and I couldn't find the right ones. What does she have to right. do? Do you have to go to the supermarket and put potatoes in? a bucket in? of water. They just went up to the, to the, the veg area and plopped potatoes in. <laughs> I got kicked out of one of them. And I phoned, I think I phoned Sainsbury's or something and said, look, can I come along and drop some potatoes in your water? And they put the phone down on me. <laughs> uh, okay, wonderful. so here's a, um, just come Chip, out of the fryer. Chips are ready. Oh, oh look at that. that. Grains of salt just hanging Whoa. on the outside of the chip like tiny little mountaineers desperately clinging on to this big sort of golden potato mountain. And but it's 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 really fluffy on the inside. So I have to say that I'd like to give myself a pat on the, the head for my world changing triple cooked chip recipe, but in fact the potatoes I think were quite fit for purpose. I'll leave you with this. 
is that I had also played around with injecting chips with ketchup. <laughs> what a cool idea. And chocolate, I think. I've done, I've done many things with chips. Did it work? Potatoes. Clearly not. With the ketchup, it did. However, there's something about if you, if you put the ketchup on the chip, do you have a much more concentrated contrast? Uh, Heston, thank you as ever for another lovely deep dive into, a, into an ingredient. And uh, I hope everyone at home is going to be going charging out now and just absolutely gorging themselves silly on chips. With buckets like... of salted water. <laughs> buckets of salted water. Send your wife to the supermarket immediately and start weighing potatoes. If you wanted uh, to get arrested, yeah. Well, until next time, uh, we take another deep dive into an ingredient. It's time to say goodbye, Heston. Goodbye, Heston. Goodbye, Heston.